This is gonna be fucking fun. I'm Ryan. You are in the hole with Major League A holes, episode 78. Uh, yeah, we've got the Crosstown series preview this week, uh, starting tonight. Looks like you're all dressed up and ready to go to that tonight. Woo-hoo. Uh, Pete's got his uh, Field of Dreams 1919 Black Sox jersey on, celebrating. I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating cheating. <laughs> I'm celebrating cheating for money. The darkest days in baseball history. Uh, let's celebrate hey, it. It's, Questionable. it's perfect for Chicago. I mean, we can bet here now. So, exactly. you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've got White Sox and Cubs to talk about. Uh, Miggy hit his 500th home run, and I want to talk about that. We've Woo-hoo! got a... Could happen to a nicer guy. Couldn't happen to a nicer <laughs> yeah. guy. Got a very controversial power rankings that we're gonna have to discuss with that involves yeah. your San Francisco Giants. I might I and, might get a little fired up a couple times on this uh, podcast, today, well, folks. You should. Uh, and we've got some shit you couldn't make up. So with that, I think we should go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Yes. You want to kick it off or you got well, a question? I think, how, are we, how are we doing this? I think we're the talking biggest, about Sox. Yeah, I think we should jump right into the, your White Sox who came off their toughest part of their schedule of the season, I think. A 14-game stretch where you guys went 7-7. Seven and seven. A respectable 7-7 seven and seven is maybe a little disappointing. Um I don't know what were you disappointed or are you happy with the 500 record on a lot of road uh, games all over 500 teams uh com- playoff competitors I'm a, I'm a little disappointed uh I'll tell you I'm most disappointed in um really the Toronto series cuz yeah. they you know the 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 time for excuses is is over with the offense you you're I mean yeah Grandel's going to be great to have back, uh, wh- whether it's later today or it's sometime next week. Next week would be the latest he comes back. But when Tim Anderson takes a few days off to rest his legs in, in, in Tony's quest for the bigger picture of this thing, there, there's no excuse for when you have the names of Abreu, Jimenez, yeah. Robert, and Mankata in your lineup still to not be able to muster more than two runs over two of those losses. And, yeah. and that's a disappointment to me because that is a series. When you look at that, that they could have swept in Toronto that they should, honestly, they should have swept in Toronto. Um, there seems to be something with them and seeing the ball coming out of uh, Rob Ray's hand. Cause he's, He's only the third pitcher in baseball history against the White Sox. Now, granted, these are all different teams, but he's had two. It's something weird, like, you know, because baseball has everything down to the tiniest minutia. Something like he's the only pitcher to strike out 
more than 12 White Sox batters twice in the same season. Was he? Oh, in the same season. Yeah. So um, he's a former Tiger. That's how I know Robbie Ray. But yeah, I know. He's also I mean, on my fantasy team. So it was well, nice well, there that, you go. There you go. And all those Con- strikeouts against you, against you Con- guys. Congratulations for our third and fourth place finishes we'll have. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up excuses, though, because I've been hearing a lot, mainly from Chuck Garfine and his post game shit in the, his podcast, the White Sox talk podcast coming up with any excuse but i think you guys had legit excuses for offensive production or lack thereof when you had half your roster out but I mean, yeah. you've got you've got jimenez and robert back you know granted granted like you said grandal isn't back yet but you should be able to like exactly like you said you should be able to if you're a playoff contender you should be able to weather the storm and yeah i mean more runs than yeah that. If Tim if Tim Anderson needs some days off, not because he's injured, just kind of like what happened with Rodon, because, you know, which is what we had already, you know, talked about long before they made that announcement that that was probably going to happen at some point. But I mean, let him have a let him have a few days off and should be able to take it off with peace of mind that there's more than enough offense in the lineup to to take care of business. So, like. You know is what it is you're not going to win every ball game so going two and two in toronto on the road is respectable and i think like you said seven and seven with the teams they played are respectable but there were definitely some i mean obviously tampa bay i just want to talk about tampa bay for a second that literally watching that tampa bay series reminded me of games in the metrodome back mm-hmm. in the day yeah with with the socks and garbage bag yes yeah, socks being completely overmatched on how to play poorly poorly managed by the managerial staff on how to react to balls on the astroturf they look Mm. completely unprepared for that series there were four doubles that were bloop singles that bounced high off the turf after they fell in between the player like no one knew how to play the ball off the turf And I realized like a lot of these guys, some of these guys is probably may have been their first time playing there, um, especially because of last season, not having to go there at all. That's true. But, but Tony LaRusse has played there before for sure. He's archaic. He's, he's like the emperor for Christ's sake. He's invented AstroTurf. He invented AstroTurf and the question mark. And, uh, (laughs) and it's like, it's like you, you, you've got to, I will definitely snub him on this one. Like you and the coaching staff, you've got to have your team prepared for knowing that the ball's going to bounce high if it's a bloop. So, Hey, outfielders play back a little so you can field it cleanly and get the ball in because four doubles on, on, on pop flyouts on bloops on duck snorts should our, our fisted balls fisted to left and right are not, is not a good way uh, to play. And that's a park you may have to play in, in the playoffs. So you got to get that shit figured out. Yeah. And probably, that's the key. You, you... and probably right now, I mean, uh, I mean, the Sox are going to have an opportunity with some teams they're playing, including today's matchup, this weekend series to maybe make up some ground against the Rays. Cause the Rays obviously have to play teams in the, AL East who the Yankees are red hot right now. And you, you know, you've got, you've got the, the Rays schedule down the stretch is probably a little bit tougher than a White Sox schedule down the stretch. So they yeah. may be able to make up some games to hopefully get home field advantage, but 
That's an uphill you know, climb right there. It is a, yeah, it is, it's a huge uphill climb. So you have to be prepared going back with the – you have to be prepared when you go back in there, better prepared than they were in this last series. It, it sucks that that stadium exists at all, that anyone's playing in those conditions. But that those are the facts, and that you're going to have to go through there just you know in the playoffs that that's what makes it so important it, it, yeah. it it's such an anomaly like you don't there aren't what other stadiums have that kind of turf like that that's it, it. they're the last one because because okay. because uh like toronto has like i think they've it's, got, either, is they've it got grass or is it that no, newer turf i think they've got the field turf that's yeah. more like grass yeah um, so so it's not as extreme but yeah Fuck, fuck Tampa. <laughs> I mean, stadium I mean, is such a such an abomination. But yeah, and that team has done more than enough to deserve a better stadium than that. Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole another another ball game. But back to Toronto. Um, you guys went one and two there, or no, two you, and two. Oh, you four games there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, because I was just thinking the you know the tigers if if you want to use them as a barometer they did win their series just the weekend before two games to one against the against the blue jays so you know you always talk about it's not who you play it's when you play them but if you for a comparison at least tigers and white Sox played them at the same time and the tigers got the best of them so that that kind of <laughs> that's one little thing i could put in my cap i guess but feather i could put in my cap but you know what we, you know what happened yesterday right smitty lots happened yesterday what are you referring to well, in the series, Ked, uh, Craig Kimbrell got his first save as a as a White Sox. Aha! Uh-huh. Is it his first? Wow! Uh-huh. It might be his first opportunity, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I guess uh, Hendricks had been well, he had pitching a lot, he, or what? Well, was yeah, the... he had he had uh, two innings of a save, five outs of a save, but it was quite labor intensive for him to get those five outs. Uh, on uh, Tuesday night. So um, I think, and I think, you know, back to what we had discussed, if, if, uh, if no one really has an ego out there and, and he's going to be more successful in, in that type of situation, he did let one run around, but it was only to first. I mean, he looked really good. So uh, we'll see how that plays out going yeah, forward. Yeah, imagine but... that. He looks good in the ninth. I yeah. mean, that's what we've been saying the whole time. But that—I yeah. mean—that's literally the luxury you you guys have now, having two closers. And finally, I mean, we're a month after the almost a month after the trade deadline. Finally, TLR is taking advantage of it and using using that depth and using his two-headed monster as a closer. And that, I think that I think it should alternate. I mean, if that if that yeah, why not? Try why something. Not? We we talked about yeah. this last week. This is the time to experiment. I mean, just putting him in is one thing, and th- there's logic behind that. You know, if if Hendricks had 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 a labor intensive outing before. Well, sure, that's an obvious choice, but I, this is where you can keep experimenting, I think, and not just you know the obvious chances. Just you know, put put Hendricks in the eighth, see what happens, see if he goes to shit. If he does, then that's a failed experiment, and then <laughs> no harm, no foul. You've got a month to figure it out still. So yeah, amazing it got to that, but. I do have an asshole question Ooh, for it's an, you. It's an asshole kind of day on, on, on here. I have one for you later, too. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Clown question, bro. That ain't no kind of answer. I'll answer the question. You're goddamn right. 
You may fold under questioning. <laughs> <laughs> Involving TLR. Basically, like, what what the fuck happened with him and whatever your backup catcher is on the Zebby Zavalis? Can you set the scene? You know what I'm referring to. Can you set the scene for our listeners? Yeah, I can set the scene on La Russa. So basically what happens is the um, uh, the great Vlad Guerrero Jr., who it is worth noting, um, the Sox during the broadcast do this uh his stat the they they put up similar stats of players, but you don't know who the players are, and mm. you're supposed to pick one side and see who like, like who's who's the dog and who's who ended up being like a great player, who ended up being a not so great player. Well, it turns out like over uh, the same amount of games played that Vlad Jr. and his dad have almost the same exact freaking stats. Oh Is yeah. That, it, isn't we talked that about crazy? that in July a little bit, how he, yeah. they had both reached 50 home runs on like the same day, like yeah, the same number it, of games or something. It's just, it's just crazy. crazy. They're almost identical. So I just wanted to bring that up real quick, but um, you're not setting so, the scene though, but <laughs> no, I'm setting the scene. So okay. we got, we got Vlad in a, in a full count in what looks like Lance Lynn. Cause let's let's be honest if there's any pitcher who could do a pitch around because he seems to be able to throw the ball wherever he wants it having the best dra in the al he's he's the guy who would try to get a good hitter out on a bad pitch make him skin himself out so they're attempting to do this as vlad and uh the final pitch he throws to him ends up getting way too much of the plate and uh the game is tied one one uh fast so how's forward. that your how's that your backup catcher's fault well it could have been the pitch he called could have not been the pitch he called we don't know at this time we'd only know post game um which is getting too far ahead so we'll deal with that in a moment so uh fast forward to a scene that is occurring in the dugout where um Twitter and lots of sports uh, seem to react to Tony La Russa discussing with his young catcher who is 30 years old. So he's not that. Young. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, uh, What's your catcher's name? I, I keep forgetting. Zebi Zavala. Zavala. That's yeah. His name. Okay. An S and a Z. That's all uh, I can remember is S and Z, but I can never put the two. It's not Zebi Zavala or Tony Savalas, but it's. Tony Savalas. That's all I can <laughs> yeah. think of. It's not Kojak, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, he is obviously having a discussion with them and everyone. Had, he's screaming at him on the uh, bench. He's not having a discussion. That That's it, that's uh, it did not sugarcoating it for sure. Well, I, I wasn't screaming. He was moving his hands. And I compared it to George dumb. Costanza being Coco the monkeys flailing uh, his arms around. It, it so, was a long conversation, whatever it was, and it was heated for sure. Yeah. But so uh, it was very public as well. Well, it was very public because, of course, the camera went to the dugout to show it. Yeah, uh, they could. I, they could also go down the tunnel and have that discussion. I guess is the point. But well, I mean, I to me, for we watch we watch players get dressed down all the time in football and basketball on a sideline, and and everyone like doesn't react to that, but because Tony's coaching and managing like he should, because you don't see that in baseball no, at all. It was well, notable I, because you don't see people, you don't see managers berating their players right on the bench. That well, I'm sure but it happens. Who cares? But who cares? I'm just saying it, it, does, sure it doesn't it doesn't happen. So 
it, it doesn't typically happen. There's a reason it doesn't typically happen. So it was it was notable that it did happen. I'm wondering what what was he saying to him? What what was He's the problem? Probably was talking to him about what pitch did you call? Why did you call that pitch in that situation? Is what I think, but we don't know because, again, Tony's probably not thinking at the time. Oh, this is going to be on national TV. And when asked about, how could it, he not the, think that? I mean, I, the, because the, how do you be know that naive? How do you know the camera's going to definitely go there? Because how would he not? Situ- I mean, he's situations done this his whole life. He knows he's that, on TV. But I situ- mean, that's crazy. the camera's not in the dugout a hundred percent of the time. I mean, that, there's nothing. That dugout is the easiest one to. There's like no no barrier in front. But of the he dugout. should it's be like able to manage one. however the fuck he wants to manage. Well, you change the, the subject. The I mean, of course he. I'm saying he knew he was but, on TV, so he was well, making. He, he was okay, making a fine. Well, well so. for the sake of moving this along, we'll say that he knew he was on TV because he's managing the dugout. And I'm sure every little thing that happens in a dugout gets caught on TV, which is not true. So anyhow, fast forward. I disagree, po- but post game, post game, he said no comment. talk about it. Right. <laughs> So he was Which still is, really pissed. So why? No, would... no, it's not that he was really pissed. It's that it's none of anyone else's business. He's dealing with it with his player. Why? Why wouldn't he just say that then? Why would he go to no comment? I mean, that, that's because bizarre. it. No, it's not bizarre. It's how most managers deal with internal. Issues. I've never heard. When was the last time you heard a manager say no comment after screaming at their player publicly in the in the dugout? All of this is notable. That, that it's not just. People are just making shit up. This is all notable stuff. And he's he's denying you and he are denying all of it, which I find amusing. I'm I'm not denying anything. I'm saying he should be able to fucking manage the way he wants to manage. End of end of day without everyone being a snowflake about it because he yelled at a player because he fucked up. No one's being a snowflake about it. We're just asking the question, what what the fuck happened? And no one will talk about what happened. So it's just because up to specu- it's he, could, a- he could end the speculation immediately by just saying what happened. I wasn't happy with the pitch he called. I shouldn't, you know, maybe he's not even sorry for berating him publicly. If he's not, he's, he can just say, he shouldn't have called that pitch. And I, and I made sure he understood that. Why, why wouldn't he even say that? Who cares? It's not well, our business. It's his business. What do you mean it's not our, why are we doing a podcast then? Why, why do we watch baseball? I mean, these are questions that people have. We watch I mean, baseball for the game, not what's going on in the dugout. So why do they have post-game conferences? Why does, why doesn't he answer every question? No comment. What, what's the point of any of this? Because again, it's a personal matter between him and his player. I don't tell you everything personal about my life on this podcast. You're not. That's that's ridiculous. That I mean, I'll I'll edit that uh, out if you want. But no, you can leave it in. I don't fucking care. I have no problem with how, I have no problem with how it was handled. Let's just say that. Okay, that's my take on I it. I think you're just you're being a homer and just sugarcoating everything and just glossing over I, all of it, I, and ignoring I think, ignoring and the I think obvious every, issues. I think everybody wants to make TLR out to be a terrible manager. And he's exactly the opposite of that. Now we're getting to something. And he's the exact opposite of that. And every time he does something, someone is going to nitpick it and it's fucking bullshit. I think I deserve it. I think you're being sent. I think you're correct, but I also think you're being sensitive about this because it happens to every manager. And they're not like they're, this. Well, not like this. There are reasons why it's happening to TLR because he has he has made some horrible examples earlier in the season and and more recently that we brought up, where there have been communication issues and weird things happening on his bench. And this is another example of it. So it's just it's adding to the story. So this didn't just come out of nowhere. He he he's brought this on himself. So I, I guess. 
I, I think my my real asshole question was what the fuck happened? And I guess we'll never know. But why? I, it's just strange that he wouldn't just tell us what what the issue was. More, I guess <laughs> what I was going to say was my asshole question is why isn't TLR asshole of the week? But uh, we, we don't have an asshole of the week because we couldn't agree on this. So I, I don't want to push you any further because this is obviously a sensitive subject for you and your love for TLR. So. Maybe we should move along to you. You're, you're done talking about this, obviously. So, well, no, I mean, I mean, I think we just, this is one of these points where we could probably fill up an hour of going back and forth and not agreeing on it, which I respect your opinion. You respect my opinion. We're just in a difference on this one. We don't have to respect right. our, either of our opinions. We can just, yeah. Cause too. yours is wrong. But, you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> why don't we move unless you have more socks tidbits before we uh, want to talk about the, the, the looming huge oh crosstown series. I, I had to weekend. give up. This counted as a premium game in my ticket plan. <laughs> I'm asking for a refund. I think I said that last week. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much was that extra? How, well, well, extra I could have picked, that? see, this is where I screwed up. I could have oh, picked the right. Yankee series or this series. And I'm like, oh, the. The Sox and Cubs are both in first place. We got to go with this one. That... They got rid of you, Darvish, back in December. You should have seen what was coming. I, I've been talking about this since December. Oh, we'll get we'll get into that. You need to consult me before you buy your White Sox tickets. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I can guide you through these things. So, yeah, tonight on the south side of Chicago, we have your White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. Um I basically just, I mean, I'm predicting a bloodbath, but uh, I, I did want to talk about the pitching matchups. At I least, was, was going to say, you've got a fighting chance. In some, did, did, tonight's your possible win. Well, I, I actually love two of the three pitching matchups on the Cubs side with Keegan Thompson and uh, Dallas Keuchel going tonight. I think, I mean, Thompson has a two and a half ERA. His, his ERA is like two runs less than Dallas Keuchel's. Granted, that's a smaller sample size, but I like that matchup at least. Yeah. And then Sunday's game, I, I like, I like um, Kyle Hendricks going against going against Dylan Cease. Um, uh, I don't. I think, I, I think I, it's a decent matchup actually, but I think I could see I could see uh, Hendricks having the advantage there. Uh, obviously Saturday's game is not anything I'm looking forward to with Alec Mills going against Lance Lynn. I will be looking forward to hearing some slapdick motherfuckers and everything else out of, out of Lynn's mouth. Uh, that, that'll be entertaining. But, you know, so I, honestly going into this, I kind of like the pitching matchup. The problem is I don't like the Cubs offense and the bullpen is an issue because the Cubs bullpen is basically sitting in the White Sox bullpen right now. So, I'm not sure there is, you know, even even if there is an advantage in the Cubs pitching starting rotation this weekend, it all goes out the window when you get to the other aspects of the game. So I, I saw did you read that athletic article about the Cubs starting pitching outside of Kyle Hendricks and the bullpen since the trades? Uh, no, but I can imagine what it what it well they 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 they, they, they had I, I don't remember who wrote it, but he had one of the best lines about the Cubs starting pitching staff. They said the Cubs uh, average fastball is 89.8 miles an hour out of their four star, their starters outside yeah. of Kyle Hendricks, but they don't have the intelligence or like the moxie of Kyle Hendricks. 
So wow. it's like it's like they've got damn. Four, it's the like athletic can measure their intelligence. That, that's pretty uh, good. Well, yeah, something I'm paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> but 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 he's called the professor, you know. So um, he went to Dartmouth. Yeah, so they, they they basically said it's like the pitching staff is Kyle Hendricks with a bunch of broken Kyle Hendrickses. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> well, that's been obvious through the, the Cubs uh, historic losing streak this week. Uh, they do get a break by leaving Wrigley field. Finally, after losing 13 in a row, uh, <laughs> the, um, they actually get to go on the road. They did break that streak finally. They beat the yeah, they Rockies, did. who have like the worst road record by far. Yeah, in all of Major League Baseball, but fourteen and forty-five or something like that. Like they've won fourteen road games the entire season. Or yeah, maybe, maybe fifteen after the doubleheader. But yeah, yeah, it's un- unreal. So yeah, the Cubs get a break by heading out of Wrigley somehow. So we'll see how that works out. But the. Uh, the interesting factoid somebody pointed out was Cubs hadn't won a game at Wrigley until this week. The last time they won was the Javi Baez stir the pot, row the boat, uh, that whole thing with Amir Garrett and oh. the Reds like a month ago. <laughs> like that's that's how fucking long that it seems just it might be a month and a half ago now, but that seems so that was their last last win at Wrigley. So that, that kind of puts things in perspective. Um, so yeah, do you have other thoughts about the, the crosstown series? I'm assuming you're going to predict a sweep like you normally do. I think, I think you have justification to do that this time. I mean, I'll be honest, you can, you can come back and give me hell. I I would be disappointed uh, in anything but a sweep. Yeah. I think you should be. I, I mean, I, I kind of be disappointed if they don't reach double digit runs in the first two games. Um, you know, Wow, yeah. that okay, that's bold. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't, especially if if I'm getting if my if my team's getting fatties over, you know, anywhere near the plate at 90 miles an hour, there should be a lot of balls being launched. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, there's a reason we play the game, Smitty, but that's right. uh, um I yeah, I would be disappointed in anything but a sweep this weekend. So, well, I've got a couple Cubs tidbits I'd like to get into. All right, here's the rub. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. This stings. And another thing I'm going to say. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. You know, just sort of looking for looking for anything uh, positive and looking towards the future with the Cubs since they do have such a minuscule payroll right now and seemingly money to burn in this offseason. However, this works out with the collective bargaining agreement, but they should be able to pick up some free agents. One free agent to be, apparently, that wasn't necessarily a, a given is when Nick Castellanos, former Cub himself, uh, is basically, I don't know if he actually said he's opting out of his four-year deal. He, he, was, he had the option to opt out of the last two years coming into this offseason uh, with the Reds. Uh, it is looking, all signs are at least pointing to him opting out. So he will be a free agent most likely. He is 
opting out of the final two years in which he would make, I believe it's $64 million. So obviously he is looking to make more than $64 million over those two years, or he's looking for a much longer term contract. But so I would say, you know, uh, 20, 20 million, 20 million a year, maybe a five-year deal is what Castellanos is looking for. I think the Cubs, I think the Cubs would look at that as being uh, something they'd be interested in. But, um, I would like it. Uh, I think Castellanos is might be a little overrated. Um, he was tremendous for for the Cubs when in the what was it 2018 2019 season uh, after the trade deadline. The two months he was there, he he was incredible, incredible production. Um, so I could see them jumping for that. They Cubs need help pretty much everywhere, and that would be maybe a reason to get people to come back to the Wrigley Field next year because they're looking like fewer and fewer reasons to watch games at Wrigley. Um, you know, they had their lowest attended game since 2014 this week um, oh. against the. Rockies, they had 25,000 people there. And that's, that's oh. the smallest attendance they have. Well, it's just it's just emblematic of, you know, people people say people, you know, Cubs fans only show up for the field. Well, they're they're going because they want to see a winning team. And when they aren't showing up, it's because they're not happy with the product. And I, I don't blame them. That's 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 a thing that the the White Sox have held their hung their hat on for a long time is that oh we don't go unless we're competitive because we want to force the ownership into making competitive teams. So yeah, this is this is new for the Cubs. Well, since 2014 when they were at the the bottom the bottom of the rebuild starting to come up. I mean that this is where we're at with the Cubs right now. So uh, beyond that, the Cubs are trying to make all sorts of news as they can off the field. Try to to distract us from what's happening on the field because it's so pathetic. And these happened a couple of weeks ago. We didn't have time to get into them last week after being off for a month and trying to jam, jam a month's worth of content into a one show. We did get in under hour and 45 minutes last week. So I thought that was pretty good. Uh, one thing they, they did while, while we were on break is create the Chicago Cubs hall of fame. Did you did you see the any of that any of the coverage of that or did you see what that was all about? I did see that the Ricketts dedicated uh, statue to themselves for preserving Wrigley Field. Yes, that, I, in, well, in in the in a time of, I'm going to get to after, that after you just sold off your team and kind of alienated a part of your fan base. You want to give yourself some accolades, so yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, you're making I my point for me. That I'm that's getting more into my next point about the, <laughs> the documentary Saving Wrigley Field. But the, the Hall of Fame was a, a separate thing that do, does fall into that category of kind of con, self congratulatory bullshit while the team is in flames. Um, the I guess my point when I first heard they were doing a Hall of Fame, I thought they were like gonna have I me. Immediately, I thought they were going to have something in like the new building out in the out in the Gallagher Way area. I thought they were going to, you know, like a Hall of Champions or some ridiculousness with the statues they had. You know, if, I don't know. I thought they were going to build something significant. I thought that was strange where they don't have much capital since they had to sell off all their players uh, that they were doing something like that. But I was totally mistaken because what they did was actually. <laughs> 
it didn't probably cost them even ten thousand dollars. It was it's a really cheap kind of weak ass Hall of Fame. It's just a, a bunch of small plaques in a dark corridor, forgotten area underneath the bleachers. Uh, I believe it's underneath the the left field bleachers, which I've never I've been in the I basically sit in right field and I go to Wrigley and I've been underneath. But those as you get further down underneath the bleachers and go to each end, there's kind of nothing there. You can't really see much. There's not much happening. So they kind of just took a forgotten dark area of the of the stadium and put up like 50 shitty little plaques. And that that's their Hall of Fame that they're dedicating. I think I can put this to my personal experience. Like I've was part of uh, starting the Michigan baseball hall of fame here in Lansing uh, at Cooley law school stadium, which is now Jackson field with the Lansing lug nuts stadium. And we, we have, we, I designed the plaques. They're, um, you know, pretty damn big uh, standalone plaques on stanchions. They're about, uh, about three feet tall. They are at an angle. They're nice. Oh, you know, have a whole, yeah, whole, like similar like, to what the Yankees did. Exactly. That's that's what I took the idea from. And, you know, we spend spend some coin on them every year. We, we in first year, I believe it was 2015 when we started the Hall of Fame. We inducted uh, 10 different uh, most of them are former Tigers. There's some uh, college coaches, high school coaches throughout Michigan, just some significant tie to the state of Michigan. Our, our inaugural class had 10. We so we spent like 20 grand on, you know, two thousand dollar plaques that stand out in the outfield. Um, and we do that, we do two more players every year. And so there's a significant amount of money being spent by the Lansing lug nuts just to run this neat little thing. We don't, we don't make money off of it or anything like that. It's just a cool thing to have out in our outfield, but the Cubs took almost the exact same idea and did it really shabbily, really cheap (laughs) and weak. And in my mind, their, their plaques are tiny. They're all on one little section of the wall. They, they did 50, I think the 56 inaugural members uh, of, you know, varying quality, you know, you know, all their hall of famers. And they had some staff members that had been with the team for a long time. It's just, it's just kind of strange, um, especially with the team with their, the poor history that they they've had for most of their time to be celebrating these people in the shadow of selling off the best players they've ever had in the golden era of Cubs baseball that we just got through and ended mere weeks before the irony of putting up a hall of fame, celebrating everybody else is, is just ironic, I guess. And to your point, it was, it was very strange, the timing of it. Another thing that the Cubs did while we were off that had strange timing that you alluded to was the famous Saving Wrigley Field documentary release. And I actually I hadn't seen it until yesterday. Uh, Did you? I'm sure you didn't bother watching it. You've seen. Mm, I'm going to go with no. If you've seen any Cubs productions, they're well done, uh, but they're all the same. They just they're you know, you see a bunch of shots of Wrigley field and, you know, crane Kenny's spouting off and a quick, quick clip from Tom Ricketts and everything else. You've seen him a million times. This one was special in that it was literally themselves celebrating themselves. And like, as you said, for saving Wrigley field for triumphing over adversity and finding a way to save this national, now a national landmark. 
um, again, the, the timing of it is is what's is what's yeah. suspect. I, I think this is you know spending a billion dollars and then congratulating yourself is kind of a weird thing, but they did a great job. I mean, yeah, no one, yeah, no, one's no complaining one's complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, it's just the timing of it is just so weird in that you you it's it's clear part of it is they wanted to do some of this these things last year um but obviously everything got postponed due to covid the national landmark status i believe just happened so that was that was going to coincide with the documentary release so that that makes a little sense but it's just it's so off-putting that you know after you have uh jettisoned all the household names off of the the greatest cubs teams we've ever seen yeah uh, they're they're celebrating what come what in the grand scheme of things are are small things that saving saving Wrigley Field it's it's great but I, I want to win ball games I, I, they could play in a fucking shack for all I care that if they're winning if they're winning World Series that's what people should care about I got I got into the deep into the the documentary itself and I'm calling it instead of saving Wrigley Field I'm I'm say i'm calling it saving private equity it reminded me of the production value of you know a hollywood a steven spielberg level film uh saving private ryan came to mind so i've got a bunch of graphics i'll be putting up this week for that nice i'm looking forward to that i think you'll get a kick out of that but uh just the grandiose you know you immediately see crane kenny which i've i'm on record saying i never want to hear his name or see his face again course he was plastered all over he may as well have been the narrator of this fucking thing but talking about how much adversity they had to had to, had to triumph over to to get this stadium bag talking about how they had to dig pilings down 100 feet to get to bedrock because the upper, upper deck was going to collapse and all this shit it's like okay great the the funniest part is they they made this documentary to create some drama of course you have to have a protagonist and an antagonist and the protagonists, of course, are the Cubs, Crane Kenny, Tom Ricketts. Uh, they saved the field. But who'd they save it from? Alderman well, Tunney? <clears throat> well, that was that was my thought. And, and I have, I've actually been on many diatribes against Lord Tunney of Wrigleyville, <laughs> as I like to call him. The Alderman, Tom Tunney, who was a fucking prick throughout the throughout oh, the, yeah. the process. They did bring him into the documentary, which I was surprised about. They, they brought him in a couple times and he got to say his piece and how he was going to be an asshole to them and everything else. He, 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 he got his point across it, but it was, it was limited, but I thought that was, it was pretty, uh, a well-rounded documentary in that they did let him have, have some say in it. Um, the weird part of it is before they even brought up Lord Tunney, they brought up the adversity they faced back in the mid eighties when they were talking about lighting Wrigley field and they went after, the the neighborhood lady that started the grassroots organization to stop the Cubs from putting up lights. It was, it was cleverly called, if you don't remember, Citizens United for Baseball in Sunshine. <laughs> Spells out Cubs. Uh, and I forget the lady's name, but she's like a 70-year-old woman at the time. And so they, they kind of made her out to be a villain that was, you know, everyone's trying to stop the Cubs from doing what they want to do. It's just, it just kind of, it's just ridiculous <laughs> and gross. But uh, really, the, the the main thing is, as you pointed out to begin with, the the timing of it was just bad. So I'm going to have fun this week, at least making fun of saving Wrigley Field, a.k.a. saving the Ricketts private equity. 
Well, this this sort of uh, leads well into my asshole question for you Ooh, for the week. Here because we go. This has been getting a lot of play, uh, not just locally, on uh, a little bit nationally now too. Uh, do you believe that the two thousand and twenty one Cubs are the worst team in Cubs history? And e- either way. Why or why not? Well, uh, th- see, that's a that's a tricky one because they there's no way you would consider that them that with their overall record. They've, they're going to have a much better record than their worst teams in history, just because they had a they had a a legitimate major league baseball club. Maybe not as good as we had hoped, but they were at least a mediocre baseball club through the first four four months of the season. Sure. What, what we're seeing now is a triple a baseball club sorry i'm getting a phone call here try to bail me out um i mean these we're basically watching the iowa cubs play right now so i would say the second half this might be one of the worst teams but i mean we've seen it for a month basically how bad they can really be i think i mean you I sat in the bleachers watching some of those teams in 2012, 2013, 2014 before they started to turn the corner. Those were right. some fucking horrendous teams. So I'm not going to say 2021 is just because they're going to have they're going to have the the record that's going to be better than most just because they actually had a had some legit players on the roster for most of the season. Okay. Yeah, I mean the 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 just to give you why the talk is they yeah i'm curious may or may not be the worst cup team ever they're uh the first team since 1954 to suffer two double digit losing streaks in the same season yeah and one of those happened while those major league players were there yeah that's interesting the core three the big three whatever the i thought it was a core four like to well, make fun of well it, was, years. it was the core four for a long time at some point i think it was like the core seven i don't know I, i've some seen headlines i've seen headlines about this rebuild and they say they, they're calling it no core which i like no a lot core. better right. yeah right. how about yeah how about it's just like a rebuild and we see how exactly. let's not put pressure on anyone or whatever let's not let's have zero core yeah <laughs> how about no core how about uh, just like nine that. nine decent players how about that yeah. uh, <laughs> Some a little bit better than others, but it, they, they play as a team. And then they set the new home losing streak record this year at 13. Um, and they're they're saying that um, I think what it boiled down to, why this is turning into a narrative now, is I think because of having that good run, I think what the narrative should be, this is probably the most disappointing Ye- Cobb season in Cubs history. I would, I would agree with that. Or maybe even second, because I mean, out of like going to the playoffs and not advancing, like maybe the Marlins, but in a regular season, just let's remove the playoffs from it. If you just look uh, at regular season, like this could be possibly the, the ups and the ups and downs of it. Like maybe that's would be a better narrative for it, but, yeah. but these are all I've the got a statistics. Couple that are, are being pointed out as to why why record-wise it won't be the worst Cubs season in history, but it is the worst Cubs season in history. I would put the 04 Cubs as the most disappointing, uh, coming off the, the horrific 
Bartman uh, Marlin series that next year they are expected to to take off again and win the oh, World Series. Oh yeah, that was when they went into the white to play the White Sox. The White Sox beat up on them, and then they never recovered from well, that yeah. point on. And they had a lead in the last week of the season and shit that shit the bed so badly in the last week that they didn't even make the playoffs. I think they lost lost out to the. Maybe it was the wild card to the Mets, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. So I would call that the most disappointing season. The, the other part, I would say disappointing teams, I would say it's disappointing for the organization. And I've talked about this every time, every show probably, but the ownership kicked the legs out from underneath this team yeah. back in December. So True. I, I'm almost, I almost, I wouldn't call this disappointing because I've, I've been expecting this. And I think most people have been expecting this to happen all, all season long. I was kind of pleasantly surprised with how well they played back in May uh, to actually look like contenders and be in first place for that long. So I, I, I'm not going to make this a historically, a historically disappointing team. It's a historically disappointing actions by ownership in the front office. I guess I can put it that way, but it like, is a good. Yeah, I know. I do like that. That That is probably the best way to put it. Cause, cause I kind of was I reading these like Gordon Whitmire did one. I think the uh, the athletic actually did one too, and and it it was I was kind of like, well, I mean, anyone who didn't expect a sell off at the trade deadline was being naive. Was being naive. And I think you and I had talked about how you were like in this weird in between state a few months back where you were like, well, I kind of want to move on and get the next seg, the next stage of this team going because now we're going to end. It was going to end anyway. So if they don't trade any of these guys, most of them end up walking away. Exactly. So at least one way or the other. At least in a couple years, and and more so with some of the other trades, you'll be seeing results on the field immediately next year. Uh, you know, with Madrigal and I think Hoyer actually got a win the other day for you guys uh, in a relief appearance uh, right. on the walk off. So, um, yeah, that story is to be played out. But... That story is to be played out. So, like. Eh. To be to be to be horribly disappointed suddenly in this season, I think is is stupid. You, it, yeah, they haven't been paying attention, or they're just trying to. People like Gordon Whitmire are trying to get some clicks, but uh, I do like your question, and I think you like my answer. So I do, I do like positive. your answer because, uh, <laughs> like, as as much as like you look at it, you know, you look at it statistically. There's all these other elements to this season that were not covered in those articles. Um, especially about the they shied away from what ownership did to start the season like you yeah. said i mean that's the first thing i thought of so yeah that's the first thing i always think of like you're these basically people need to call us before they start writing I, these fucking well, ridiculous I mean, like articles you basically told your team <laughs> we don't think we can win this year yeah that's absolutely. what you told the team was, and the manager that's that was the that, message that was the message sent yeah. um on just one other semi cub related note how what are your thoughts on uh, some of I mean, this plays more into the the Giants segment, but what uh, Javi Bias's mistakes this 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 recent series uh, helped my Giants win uh, some ball games. But like, are, are you anxious? Would you be interested in Javi Bias coming back to the Cubs as yeah. he continues to 
look great at times and then look completely ridiculous? I mean, do you want that kind of person on the team still, or well, are you just leading, happy to move on? He was leading the league in errors by a shortstop before he was traded. So yeah. this is a, this is a disturbing trend continuing. So I guess I'm not too surprised seeing what we've seen, what we've seen, I guess, well, there was what another I, base. There was another base running error that that stifled a rally for the Mets the other night. So yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not keeping up on yeah, yeah, on I, know, I know Mets too yeah. much, but um, yeah, I know you are watching your your Giants, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, I I don't know. I don't. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to consider with that question about Javi Baez returning about shortstop and the Cubs. Cubs middle infield in, in general with the, you know, getting Nick, Nick Madrigal most likely to play second base. Well, you had Nico Horner playing second base before that. So is the idea that he's going to be moving to short? I did read that. I did read that uh, this week that that it seems to be when he comes back because he's injured right now, right? He's on the IL. Well, that's the next thing. Is, or are the Cubs really worried about the, the longevity and the health of Nico Horner, who is just, he's constantly hurt. It seems like, and maybe that's, that's a small sample size that we're looking at, but are they worried about his long-term health and that can they depend, can they move him to short and then depend on his health to be there? So that, that, that's, that's, I'm just bringing up some variables that, that kind of complicate that question about bringing back uh, possibly resigning Javi. I think if, if those questions are obviously the Cubs have a plan in that, um, I don't know what that plan is necessarily, but I think if Javi comes back, it would be at a dramatic discount uh, compared to what he may may or may not have turned down in uh, contract extension offers that the Cubs may or may not have yeah, extended right. towards him. Maybe, uh, I guess maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I think whatever that price tag that you know anyone had in mind, it has to be coming down dramatically by the day. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be too upset if Javi is back in Cubby Blue again. They, they can find a way to make it work, I think. So, I don't know. That's another good question. All right. That's all I got. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, with all those good questions of positivity from us, we're, we're getting along <laughs> again somehow after 20 minutes of not. Uh, let's take a break here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? This is Pete from Major League Gay Holes, the show. And are you enjoying our podcast? Well, if you are, why don't you show us some love and support us and get something in return at our new aesthetic shop. Do you like to annoy your inner town rivals? Then White Sox fans, why don't you buy a Rizzo Suck shirt or you fucking A's fans, get a Posey Suck shirt from our Ass Face of the Franchise collection. You want to celebrate the legends of baseball? We got the hammer, the bird, the wizard. Oh, the great catfish hunter. As the great Hawk Carrollson used to say, he loved catfish. That's from our badass collection. Or do you want to just support your area? So you got the Northside, Southside, Motor City, and Bay Area collections. Again, all of this is available at aesthetics.shop. The official shit of Major League A-Holes. Well, the biggest milestone for the Tigers in the past week was Miggy Cabrera finally cresting the 500 home run milestone, uh, almost exactly a week after I predicted that he would, one week after I was actually at the game. 
a week ago, two Sundays ago, maybe I was there, um, yeah. whatever it was. But uh, so he got it done. I guess uh, I'm happy for him. Everyone's happy for him. It was a it was a great, great moment. He became the 28th player in Major League history to get to 500 home runs. And I, I was kind of surprised, but I, I brought it up before, but I started thinking about that. I Somehow 28 seems very small to me, especially when you consider we just came out of the steroids era. I thought there'd be, you know, 50, 70 players. Does 28, does that surprise you? There's only 28? Well, it would have if I didn't start like looking (laughs) all the way back at the, during the Josh Donaldson incident, like at like, I started looking at home run numbers for players because I was shocked at how low his home number home homers were yeah. right because he's he's getting up there in age now you would be thinking you know he was gonna finish maybe somewhere around like 500 homers or something he's gonna finish in the 300s maybe yeah, yeah. so it's- like so like yeah it's it, now it it seemed i feel like if we had continued if steroids had been ignored the entire like we're still in steroid error i think we'd probably have a hundred five hundred well, home it was, maybe it, you could say it was ignored for 20 years. So know, that, that's a it's generation like, of players. So that that's why I thought the number would be much higher than yeah, 28. So I, I mean, guess my, I, gotta I, guess, get, I mean, you give kudos to him. I mean, he's well, in rare. He's in rare air. That's the thing. It, with, that number is even in probably inflated of what it should be, considering the steroids era we just got out of, or maybe may or may not be out of. Um, so re, it makes it that much more remarkable. I guess is is my point that he's. He's the 28th person to ever fucking do it. He's also uh, going to be one of six players to ever get to 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. He's about 45, I think he's 45 hits away from 3,000 right now. It does not look like he's going to do that this year. Uh, I think he'd be the first to ever do it in the same year. Uh, but he would have to, I, I just heard this morning, he'd have to hit 358 down the stretch to to get his 3000th hit by the last, last game of the season. Um, not that he's never done that before. He has had many stretches where he's gone a month hitting three, 360. Um, but I don't think that's, that's uh, realistic these days. He is, um, has been since I think middle of June, he's been hitting over 300. So he, he's getting, he's looking like his former self and it's, it's cool that he's, not just sort of creeping over the finish line to get these to these milestones. He's actually having a, a, one of his better seasons in the last in the last three or four, which is a lot of fun to watch. Um, he does still have a uh, 300, 311 career lifetime batting average, which is remarkable. Uh, he's going to be right now. He is the fifth is the fifth highest batting average of anyone in the 500 home run club ahead of Hank Aaron which is that just sort of puts things in perspective. Yeah. Um, so I feel, I feel like in Detroit, he's definitely getting his just due. I think he, I, or maybe the younger generation doesn't think too much of this. And I think they need to look at their history books and figure out what, what massive milestones these really are. You know, there, there's some talk in Detroit. I even heard this morning on Detroit sports talk radio that people are, they're, you know, they're looking towards the future. And last week I talked, talked about and i'll be talking about this from now on how the, the tigers are in a really good spot to look like they can start contending as soon as next year and there's 
some trepidation on some Tigers fans part parts that they're worried that Cabrera is holding back some of these young, young prospects that could be coming up or holding back the team that could be in contention next year. And they want the uh, afternoon talk show host Rico. Ah, I forgot his last name, Rico beard. Maybe um, he said that the tigers should cut Cabrera the moment he gets 3000 hits, which might be like the first week of next season. Wow, that's cold. Yeah, that is cold. I mean, if in his thought processes, you know, they're a contending team and he if he is holding them back, they need to be prioritizing wins over feel good milestones or, you know, feel good stories after he's after he's reached those milestones. So I think that's brutal. I think if he was hitting, you know, 198 or something this whole season, it was clearly a detriment to the team. I think that would be a, a, a better time to bring that up. He is not that right now. He's a productive member of the team. I don't know that he should necessarily be hitting cleanup or hitting three in the order, but he's, he's a productive major leaguer right now. So, you know, his, his season batting average, and I keep going to batting average, but you know, he's, he's a two sixty hitter right now. It's, he's not, he's not an embarrassment that, that that's above league average. So I think that I thought that was ridiculous. I think like I said, I don't think he's going to break 3000 this year. So this is going to become the question next year. If he gets to 3000 and then, you know, maybe he's hurt. Uh, he, he had, he did just bring up, he is going to play two more years, or at least he wants to play two more years to finish his massive eight year contract, uh, 248 million, I believe, uh, that will expire after two years. He, he said his knee is fucked up and I don't know if that means he's going to have to have offseason surgery this year or if something he can deal with but he can only deal with it for two more years and then he's done so okay so well, we'll I, see about I, that i would just like to say that um i hope the tigers would be smart enough if he were if they were if that was their plan to cut him and it happened in the first week of the season they would at least wait until like the 15th day to not start the clock on these minor leaguers you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, I think I think well, we'll see if Sleepy Alavila or if it's Sleepy Alavila or my new nickname Crafty Alavila. I mean, he was pretty crafty at the deadline. He's been crafty. Holding his guns, doing stuff we didn't even expect. <laughs> He's doing shit we had no idea was happening. And 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 not bad shit either. Good shit. I, so, I love I it. Know. I, I got to give him credit. I've been harsh on Alavila for a long yeah, time and I got to give him credit for it, so I'm going to give mean, him the benefit of the doubt that he's not going to start uh, service time clocks before they need to be started. But again, that, that's going to be a fun question uh, going into next spring training, seeing how Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and others uh, perform if they're just beating down the door, if they can't if they can't be held back from the Major League Club going into next season, uh, or if Al will pull a Theo Epstein and hold back like like he held back Chris Bryant. Uh, for those, I think it was nine days, or maybe it was nine games in fifteen days, or whatever it's, it was. It's for that. the whole thing. It's the it, it, it set the ball in motion for Chris Bryant not to be a Cub for the rest of his life somehow. So. <laughs> and now he's a Giant. So, okay. speaking of Giants, next question. The next question because it was stupid. He hits it high. He hits it deep. It is. Sorry, uh, Papa's feeling pretty uh, delicious right now. Gonna step into the box, go three for four, eight RBIs, Gahim. Oh, you the best team in baseball, or are they? 
Well, that's a that's a question that Major League Baseball themselves brought up on social media that you you had a problem with. I, I noticed uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so I had a big problem with it. So the power rankings came out this week, and the Giants have barely been number one in these in these power rankings the entire season. And finally, I, I just. I couldn't keep I couldn't keep my mouth shut any longer. You couldn't. I couldn't keep my I couldn't keep my thumbs off the keys off the phone. I had to tweet back to MLB and just be like, "Why? Why? I, I don't understand it." They hold a two and a half game lead over the Dodgers. They've had the best record in baseball for something now. Quick math, like 110 days. The yeah, best you, record in baseball. You, and you pointed out they were the first to get to 50 wins, to 60 wins, to 70 wins, now to 80 wins. To 80 wins, yeah. They they, they have the most home, a stat, the stat MLB loves, every broadcast loves. They have the most homers of any team in baseball. They have continued to deny, to kind of deny all of us of what we thought would happen. They are not going anywhere. They are legit. They only made their team stronger at the deadline. Chris Bryant apparently loves hitting Mets pitching as he he hit one. He hit, uh, I don't know what the tape measure was. It was to the second deck uh, two nights ago, and then he had another one last night. I mean, they they get everything they need when they need it. If you if you ever talk about timely or clutch hitting, that's the definition of the Giants this year. And yes, I agree with um, oh, wasn't John Heyman? I forget who it was. It was another MLB expert who tweeted, "Yes, clutch his, hitting is a t- statistic, and it is a statistic." Mm-hmm. And um, to not make them the number one team in the league and continually give it to the Dodgers. The Dodgers. The Dodgers have been probably number one in the power rankings. I didn't take the time to go do this. I was too busy trying to find God blessed um, sticky stuff, stuff the entire week that I couldn't locate. So we could talk about that. <laughs> it was a rough but week. We'll postpone that until next week. We're postponing this to next week. But um, the the fact of the matter is they are the best team in baseball. They should be the number one team in the power rankings because the fact that the Dodgers did all those moves and still have been unable to catch them. Yeah. Is, is it says it all right there. And also I did point out they are eight and eight against each other. Mm, That's interesting. So the Dodgers have not outplayed the giants when they played, nor have the giants outplayed the Dodgers. But if you're going what puts a team in the uh, number one in the, in, in all of the league, the, the giants have checked all the boxes. Yeah. That, I mean, power rankings are silly. It's a bit of a, yeah, it's a silly. It's, 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 but, du- it's designed sort of to do exactly what it did. It they did. want a bunch of us to reply back. You got wound I up reply twice. I pl- replied twice, but <laughs> I saw that, but it, to have, to have the, the Dodgers be the team that surplants the giants at number one is just, it's just, that's a kick in the groin right there. They're just trying to get yeah. pissed off at that point. If it was anybody else, it'd be one thing. But like you said, I didn't even know about the the head to head record. If the head to head record is equal, then you go to overall record. And the Giants, like you said, have been ahead the whole almost the whole fucking season of everybody. So yeah, that's bizarre. That they're 
I think it's it's funny and that's going to play itself out eventually. So I maybe maybe this is good. It's going to it's going to lead to maybe this is a, a long play marketing attempt to to pump up that Giants Dodgers series uh, Yeah, that coming might, may coming or may up not in, occur. coming up in September right around the corner I believe. Um, well, and then they they I'm guessing there will be a, an opportunity for them to meet in the playoffs, which would be tremendous. That would yes. be a fun thing to watch. That would be a very fun thing to watch. Um and then the Giants just continued to roll along. They took uh, two out of three from your fucking A's. They went into New York. Struggling A's. They went into New York and swept the mess, the New York mess. Uh, two, three, two wins, and then like a just complete trouncing in game one. So um, they won five straight, winners of five straight, uh, two and a half game lead. This is the this is the thing I don't think you and I saw coming, but they are pretty banged up. San Diego is 16 games out of first place right now. That's amazing. I predicted them to win the division by seven games, so that is that is not yes. going to happen. I, I they, they they could be in jeopardy changed... of a wild card too. If yeah. Well, yeah, I think the Reds were ahead of them in the wild card race. Two so. games. Two games. The Reds are garbage too, so that that just shows you the the top heaviness of the national league but wow uh speaking of the dodgers as well as the san diego padres i've got some shit you couldn't make up oh you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around huh what have we got here a fucking comedian (laughs) for a sturkey cemetery come on to the coast we get together have a few laughs Look at what we do here. We're just magical sometimes. <laughs> the segues are just unreal today. Um, I don't know if you saw Wednesday nights. Oh, it, I did. It didn't end till four in the morning, but the. Well, I saw the replay. I did not see it live. Four in the morning <laughs> Eastern time. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers and Padres played a game that lasted six fucking hours, 16 innings. Uh, they used. 19 different pitchers, 47 different position players played in that game. Uh, there were, f- I think it was 500 pitches thrown. Uh, just an insane, insane game. I forget. Uh, it was like 35 stranded runners throughout the game. Uh, the most ridiculous uh, example of an extra inning ga- innings game you can imagine. It's the longest game in, I think it was like four years or something. 16 innings is is a remarkable thing. It was I feel like that was happening more often and it should be before the yeah. Manfred rule and I love that people are starting to call this the the runner on second people are referring to him as the Manfred man like the like the band which is hilarious to me but uh so in the Manfred man era this is this is an outlier for sure and I'm bringing this up mainly because I guarantee they're opponents of the Manfred man of which I am not. We've talked about this a few times. I, I like this rule now. I didn't think I was going to, but I, I think it's awesome. You actually get excited for extra inning games instead of, Oh God, how long is this fucking game going to last? Right. Uh, the, the, it's a weird thing and I get why people don't like it, but I think overall it's an improvement to the game where it usually ends games quickly. Well, it didn't happen this time, and I guarantee opponents of the Manfred Man rule are going to use this outlier as ammunition to the to fuel their point. 
and it's it's bullshit. I mean, is it is this is the outlier of all outliers. The games are ending much faster than they ever have. Endings of extra ending games have been far more exciting in my in my mind, um, in my opinion. So for I, but I just wanted to bring this up before before it happens because I guarantee you're going to hear this where people say, "Well, we had a 16 inning game already with this rule, so what's the point?" Well, we've had you know how many between last year's shortened season and this year, you know, we've, we've probably played a couple, couple, 3000, 4,000 games, and we've had plenty of extra inning games. And this is the one that, that didn't end quickly. So fuck you before you even make, before you fuckers even make that argument, I'm, I'm beating you to the point. It's not, it's not a good argument. So no, it's a weak ass argument. Um, um, did you have any shit you couldn't make up? Well, I don't know if this is the reason I, I think I told you before and I didn't really have shit you couldn't make up, but this is just kind of a funny note. And uh, it is is a White Sox related, but not team related necessarily. But I don't know if you saw this this week, but Benetti and Stone won the best broadcasting team in all of baseball on the White Sox on a uh, Twitter off thing sponsored by like a bracket challenge. Yeah, was this like a Major League Baseball thing? I, I knew uh, it was on Twitter, but I yeah, didn't know I who know was, it was running I can't it. Remember, it wasn't, I don't think it was MLB.com. It was another sports outlet that ran it. It impartial was funny. Impartial third party. Yeah, yeah, impartial third party. And it was kind of funny to get to the championship round. They had to go up against the Giants broadcasting team. I, I was so torn at, at that point. It was, I didn't know which way to go. Could, could be, be a like World Series, series preview. Like, too. Could be a World Series preview, which someone, some other outlet predicted that's what was going to happen with the Giants winning, which I wasn't down with that. But, um, wow. but anyway, uh, yeah. So I just wanted to give a shout out to my favorite broadcast team. I can't Must disagree. Deserved, deservedly uh, winning uh, that. Uh, that little accolade on. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of an award this is. A t- a well, Twitter yeah, poll, I but mean, yeah. <laughs> for as much as I've heard about it this week, it, I, I know, think it was right? a major award, but I, I cannot. They got, they got leg lamps. It's a major award. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I can't disagree. I would love to disagree, but I actually love Steve Stone and Jason Benetti. I think they're they're a fantastic group. And actually, I was kind of bummed out the last couple weeks ago. Benetti had been out for quite some time, and I was going to ask you if he was okay. What do you? You remember, was he out ill? Or? Uh, yeah, he went to the Olympics and got COVID. Yeah, that's, and, that's uh, what I thought it was. That's freaky. You know, they left him on the, the 10 game. He was vaccinated, but got it and put him on, you know, just. So he wasn't having severe symptoms. They were just keeping him away from the team. Or... Right. He said he, he, he had tweeted he was experiencing mild symptoms. He wasn't okay. asymptomatic or anything. He was experiencing mild symptoms, but he was okay. And I just kept him away for 10 days. But the, the thing about it was he came back and then Stone did his annual uh, – well, he does it twice a year where he goes away for like a week to go yeah, back home been, to be – Gordon Beckham's been calling the game. Yeah, which, which is actually uh, – which has been actually not terrible. He's all right, but he did say – can you say that? Can you say on, on TV? He said, oh, he said, uh, Abreu was pissed that he missed his pitch. Oh, just wow. now. Yeah. Nice. I think that may have been a slip off, but uh, I, I laughed. I'm like, oh, can you do that? I don't know, but that, that was all yeah. right. I, li- I like to change the pace with Beckham, but I don't, I would much rather have Steve Stone. Oh, yeah. 100%, so. 100%, but it's not terrible, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not like they brought DJ over. So. 
Well, speaking of terrible, I've got one more shit you couldn't make up in that involves my tigers. So I guess that'd be a tiger shit you couldn't make up. That's a tiger uh, shit. The the Tigers had a good week. They won their series in, in Toronto and they split a series in St. Louis, which was disappointing. They, they could have won the, the game two, went into extra innings, but game one, they did win. But the highlight of that game was a four pitch walk to Casey Mize, his first at bat as a major leaguer, his first at bat. He never, he never had an at-bat in college even. So it was his first at-bat since high school. Came in his first at-bat to uh, – he got a walk uh, from Jack Flaherty, the Cardinals' ace of all, of all players, uh, with the bases loaded. He gave him a four-pitch walk with the bases loaded. So essentially Casey Mize in his first major league at-bat was so feared – he got the Barry Bonds treatment at the height of his powers. There you, there you better, go. It'd be better to walk him and only have one run than to have him slugging. So uh, Casey Mize took the, took that moment to, to full advantage, tossed his bat towards the dugout, got to first base, pulled the arrow out from behind and shot it into the dugout. <laughs> so he, he, made, he made full full light of the situation. Oh, uh, that's good stuff. I'm not sure the the angry Cardinals enjoyed that as much as as us Tigers fans, but he actually got an RBI in his first at bat as a major leaguer. Wow! And his OBP swinging his OBP is a thousand. It's through the roof. Yeah, it's amazing. OPS, wow. all of it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a fun moment. I you love may- that it comes against the Cardinals. Anything to to get those fuckers upset is is happy is is a good time for me um might never have another otani in the future right on the the tigers he doesn't have to swing he just stands up there's intimidating presence will just get it done every time so that's all i've got for this week unless you have any shit pete forgot or anything else no no that was it all right well in we'll be back uh we haven't talked about when we're going to be back if it's next friday or saturday but we'll be back next week with episode 79 in the meantime you can find us on our website at majorleagueaholes.com you can find us on social media at majorleagueaholes you we're even on youtube again uh so check that out uh you can find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast you can also find our merchandise with shirts like my ricketsville t-shirt that is going to dovetail nicely with the saving private equity graphic series that you'll be seeing this week on the website. Uh, you can find our t-shirts of varying amusement levels, uh, and quality at aesthetics.shop, A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S. So do it. Check us out. We're everywhere. And with that, I'm going to declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Fucking Christ, it's about time!